My name is Charlie Crouch, and I will be reading the scripture today. Acts 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. These scriptures are as relevant today as they were then. Awesome job, Charlie. You nailed it. Except I told her beforehand, I said, afterwards, you have to say, and I love my daddy, and he's the best. But <laughs> she, missed, she missed that part, no. Uh, hey, if I haven't met you, my name is Dallas. I really would love the opportunity to meet you after the service and get to know you just a little bit better. And let me just tell you where we're at right now. We are in the final week of our Fortify the Family series, the fourth and final week. And where we've been thus far is Steve took week one and he talked about adoption into the family of God. And that was a very powerful week. If you missed it, go back and watch that on our YouTube channel. And then also, if you missed week two, my dad talked about unity within the family of God and did a wonderful job talking about that. Last week, we went rogue a little bit from the series and we just we talked about being in God's presence versus doing. And then here today, we, we really just want to talk about what does living in the family of God look like on the day-to-day? And we're going to process through that. Uh, Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, and within context, let's read starting in verse 42. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of context here. This is right after the Spirit of God's been poured out, and Peter proclaims the good news, and 3,000 people become saved. And this is really the, the first glimpse into what the early Christians lived like. So starting in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Well, let me stop right there for just a second. That, by the way, that's the apostles' teaching, not the pastor's teaching. That's important to recognize. So if the pastor's teaching contradicts with the apostles' teaching, it's not the apostles who are wrong. And that's very important to recognize. It's the apostles' teaching. Everything that's taught to you should go back to the apostles' teaching. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So I want to look at that word common today from verse 44. It comes from the Greek word koinos, and you see this word eight times in the New Testament. You see the the word uh, koinonia 30 times, and and it refers to this community element, but you see this word koinos eight times, and seven times it refers to sharing. And sharing what exactly? Sharing everything. Sharing everything in common. Putting the kitchen sink into this whole family of God idea. That's that word koinos. That's what that means. See, when we enter into the family of God, fellowship no longer becomes something we do. It's something that we give ourselves into. And that's critical for us to recognize. And you know, relative to other groups, statistically, nailed it, Christians are so giving and sacrificial and servant hearted, right? I mean, you look at nonprofits and volunteers and, and money given, Christians just dominate those arenas. But there's one area that I think all of humankind struggles with and Christians as well. 
and it's giving all of ourselves. So if you came to me and you said, Dallas, do you, I mean, do you have some money I can give? I'd be like, sure. You know, can you spare some time? Sure. Do you need a shirt? Sure, I'll give it to you off your back. But if you ask me, Dallas, what I really want is to know you a little bit more deeply. Then I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Now you're getting in my personal space a little bit. That's my privacy. I might give you that Michael Scott cringe face meme. You, you seen that going around? Or he's just, Ugh, I don't know about that one. And I think that's often very true of humankind. I don't really want you to get to know me. And by the way, that's a survival tactic. You know, that we think that there's a better chance of us being loved if people know less about us. So we put on the, the metaphorical makeup, we put on the facade, we put the perception out there for people to, to know something about us that's not really who we are, right? So that people will love us. But here's the problem. When somebody actually does say that they love you, now you have doubts because you know that they don't really know you. And if they knew you, then they may feel differently about you, right? And so that's the point here. Man, we've got to be known. We rob ourselves, truly, of experiencing the depth of love if we're not fully known. We've got to be a people who are fully known and fully loved, both. And that's critical. And here's the pinnacle of all human reality. It's that God fully knows and fully loves us. His knowing us fully does not scare him off from fully loving us. I mean, there's nothing we can keep from him. In fact, he knows us better than we know us. And yet he still says, man, I'm going to pour this kitchen sink out for me to just have a way to be with you for all time. It doesn't scare him. He knows past, present, and future, who you are, in and out, and still says, I love you fully. And man, that's great news, is it not? Um, Psalm 139, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139 real quick. And uh, this is a Psalm of David, who, by the way, man, I just, I really resonate with David's moodiness. I mean, have you ever noticed when you read through the Psalms, it's like, one moment, he's like, he restores my soul, my cup overflows, and the next minute, it's like, oh, how long, oh Lord, right? And man, I just really resonate with that. But here in Psalm 139, he's talking about how God knows us. He says, starting in verse 1, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. See, David knew that God completely knows us. And then in Psalm 86, 15, David quotes from Exodus 34, and he says this. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. You see that? We are 100% known and we are 100% loved. And I love the language in Psalm 139.5. It says we are hemmed in. There's nothing we can do about it. Another way to say it is he's got us completely figured out. I mean, isn't that a fear that we have of, of people figuring us out? Once they figure us out, maybe things will be different. God has us figured out completely. 
more than we have ourselves figured out. And yet he still says, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'm here for the long haul. And that's amazing. And by the way, before we start really embracing the family language in the kingdom of God, we've got to really understand that first, that he completely knows us and completely loves us. So when we get to the New Testament here, God is saying, this is the way forward. Share all things in common. Know each other completely and love each other completely. And perhaps there's not a more radical way for us to show a difference (laughs) to the world than this mentality of knowing and loving each other. I mean, there's really two things you see in the world. One, there's maybe no love at all. Or second, there's like this merit-based kind of love that you see. And maybe somebody knows somebody like 99%, but, but if they don't know that other 1%, then what we do is we continue to desperately hide that 1%. Because if they get that extra 1%, then maybe things will change altogether. That's our survival instinct. But God knows us fully and loves us fully. And that's so important. But instead of diving into that reality, what we end up doing is we take a step back. And we become an individualized culture. And now I'm just ranting. But um, our rhythms, our life rhythms today are not very conducive to community. Um, You take... For instance, what we used to do for fun and entertainment is we used to go, like, to plays, you know, and we'd see real-life people, and we'd go with real-life people to go see those plays. And then we had movie theaters, which you still went with people to go see a movie. But then we had family TVs, and that wasn't so bad either because you would come together as a family, and you'd watch something as a family, right? But now we have individual (laughs) screens, So it becomes all about our own preference. Anything you want to do, anything you want to watch is right there individually for you. And that's why it takes such intentionality to connect with people. And then the ways that we communicate with each other is different. Right? You get one form of communication, which is texting. It's it's written. Right? And so we've got to be intentional in a community that, a culture that is really shifting away from connection, we've got to really seek it out. So very important. Because we are meant to be known and loved fully both. So, so very important. And I think even the culture leaks into our Christian culture in our spiritual realm too. We, our faith becomes individual. It becomes us and God, just us and God, right? We've got a great father, got a great brother, I got the spirit in me, that's all I need, right? Well, God shows us in Acts 2 that the blueprint really moving forward is to share all things in common, and that's the way forward for the church, and that's the way forward for people to come to faith. Because how does Acts 2 end? And daily, it was added those who were being saved. So important, so important. Um, I dropped recently, maybe you noticed this, I don't know, but I dropped recently the, the church family title to Grace Meadows Church. I think for us to really embrace the intention of the family of God, it is to add no more qualifiers out there. It's to say, I love you, you love me, I know you, you know me, and that's just going to be the way forward. And sometimes it may look ugly. You're going to be like, whoa, bro, I didn't know that was going on there in your life. 
Or sister, man, that's some real drama right there. Wow, that's really something. But this is the way forward. This is the way forward. Like my dad said, man, we, we are a family, so we may as well live into it. We may as well embrace it. We may as well be remade in this reality. And you better believe that that scares me. And maybe it scares you too. What if rejection comes? What if, man, things go really badly and now my family has to start over in another environment, right? I mean, all these fears come up when you really start to go all in on the family of God. But there really isn't another way forward for us. See, if we, if we continue to withhold letting people know us fully, we are robbed of this experience of the family of God that he intends for us. And we also rob the world of God's plan for it. Remember Acts 2, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, the family of God isn't just a part of God's plan. The family of God really is God's plan. And it's to us to embrace it, to put everything on the table, to be fully known and fully loved. So, how do we embrace this kind of all-in fully known and fully loved type of relationship. Well, let's focus on the same mindset of Christ from Philippians 2, 1 through 5. It says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That mindset of humility, of love, uh, the mindset of being one with one another, the mindset of, of having everything in common, that's the mentality we've got to have. The mentality that says, I'm not going anywhere, we're going to embrace the family of God, we're going to be fully known and fully loved. That's the way forward. And two things I think we can do before we uh, enter into a time of communion. There's two things I think we can do in that realm. One is simply to make sure that at least a couple people close to you know everything that you know about you. I think that's really important. You know, it's not that everybody has to know, you know, you don't have to like confess everything to everybody come in front of the church and be like, okay, now you know everything about my life. That's not really what we're talking about here. But Jesus sets his precedent with Peter, James, and John, doesn't he? When he takes them up on the mountain and he just shares everything with them, right? And I think that's the mentality for us moving forward is, is there needs to be people in our life who know everything about us. And with that, the second thing is when somebody does share some things with you, don't recoil lean in. And that's really important, right? There are going to be things revealed to you like addictions, like affairs going on, like strongholds of thinking and all those things. And we can't recoil. We have to lean in in love. Um, there's a video I want to show you that I think really illustrates this idea well. It's from this show called This Is Us. And we watched it for a couple seasons. It kind of fell out of favor with us uh, after a while. But but we really enjoyed it for a couple seasons, and it's, uh, it's this family relationship, and there's this dad and daughter, and the, the daughter, man, she really reveres her father. I mean, she really, really looks up to him. But there's some things going on in his life that he's not told her about, and he's been scared 
to this point to tell her because he's afraid that that relationship might change if he shares that. So pay attention to the screen here real quick. I'm going to talk to your brothers too, but I want to talk to you first. Something I need to tell you. Part of the reason your mom and I had a fight. Okay, to girl, I have a drinking problem. And my father, he had a drinking problem. And I've kept that hidden from you guys because... Because I, I didn't want you to know that about me. I really didn't want you to know that about me. But you have to know. Sorry, I never wanted to disappoint you. But I have to be honest with you guys because I need you guys. Such an act of vulnerability and really what a response, right? That's what it looks like living in the kingdom of God. Those closest to you, lay it all out there. I mean, James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I think healing happens when you're in deep community, in repentance before God. To say, God, I'm just going to lay it all out there. Friend, family member, I'm just going to lay it all out there. And that's what it looks like. And I know it's scary, but it truly is the only way forward. And you'll be surprised what God will do with that. So, my invitation is... Jump in. Jump in to being fully known and fully loved within the kingdom of God. And perhaps that is truly the best way we can fortify the family of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of, of your word. We thank you for the way forward. We thank you for the blueprint. We thank you for David's words of you knowing us fully and loving us fully. And I pray that you'll remake us in that reality that that's true first and foremost. And then within the family of God, I pray, man, that you will just make us a people who just say, yes, there, there are people in my life I just need to confess things to. They just need to know me. They just need to, to, to know who I am more fully so that we can actually experience the depth of love that you desire for us within that. Father, I pray in this moment, Holy Spirit, just penetrate this environment. Man, I just pray that you will just do your work during this time. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we are going to enter into a time of communion. Uh, we do this every few months, and uh, what we're going to do is we've got two songs here on the back end, and during this first song, there, there are elements uh, in the front corners, back corners, there's some up top, all that. You'll grab uh, bread and juice, and then take it back to your seat. After the first song, we will take communion all together. I'll come back up here, we'll take it all together at that time. Uh, I would encourage you, if you are not 
in the family of God. If you are not a believer in Jesus, I, I'd encourage you to go ahead and just abstain from, from taking communion during this time, but really evaluate what is it that's holding me back from diving in, from going all in on Jesus. And if there's not like a, like a reverence towards the moment, if, if we're not really revering what Christ has done, I'd also ask you to abstain. Because Paul says, man, examine your hearts before you take communion. Examine it. If there's anything that needs to be repented, man, this is the time to do it before taking communion. Because that's the seriousness in which Paul said we should take communion. But as we get into communion, I just want to remind us. Man, we talked about throwing the kitchen sink. Christ gave everything, his whole self, to us. And that's what we remember during this time. Let's worship together.